Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, so uh, you guys know what this is? I know you can't even see in the back. Um, we're, we're starting to encourage people to sit forward, so we're gonna have small props. Uh, <laughs> that's, our, that's our strategy, the smallest props ever. Um, this is an AirTag, anybody use these? Who, who uses AirTag? Okay, what do you put it on? Who said dog? Me too, us too. Liz got two of these, for one for each of our dogs, and now they won't run away. They weren't gonna run away anyway, but uh, now they definitely won't run away. What else do you put them on? What do you, your phone? You got one of these on your phone? Like the back of your phone? In the case, all right, what else? Keys, Keys? yeah, luggage, wallet, what do you put? Oh, on what, he does what? Puts it on what, puts it on you? Good. <laughs> I don't know if we can surgically implant these yet, but uh, that might not be about it. This is an AirTag, if you don't know, uh, and it, it could connect with your phone if you have an iPhone, and you can use it to keep up with things, right? You can use it to not lose things, and it's pretty cool. I got this one. I'm not sure where I'm going to put it yet. I got it for Christmas. It's in my stocking, and um, I mean, a knock on, like, this isn't even wood, but, and I don't believe in knocking on wood. That's a whatever, uh, but... Uh, I don't lose a lot of things, but I know a lot of you guys, uh, I, I say that because I'm going to lose, th- as soon as I say that out loud, I don't lose a lot of things, I'm going to start losing things, but I got to figure out what I'm going to put it on, but yeah, uh, we've got it on our dogs, I mean, um, anybody have it on a cat? No, because you don't care about cats, who cares about cats? Um, plus, they're going to do their own thing, they're like the people who wander but are never lost or whatever that saying is. Um, here's the thing, uh, we started this new series last week called Best year yet. Um, and, and when you lose something, like we don't like to lose things, and so we, we have these, but when you lose something, it calls for an out, all-out search. Like when you lose something valuable, this is just the truth, when you lose something valuable, it calls for an all-out search. I could tell you about stories where um, I've lost my kids, and <laughs> it, it kind of demands an all-out search. Maybe some of you guys, some of your parents have experienced that too. It's an awful experience to lose something. Big or little, it's an awful experience to, to, to lose something. One thing I'll say about that experience, so you know how it feels to lose something, it's just, it's just a terrible feeling. That feeling, whether you lost um, your dog, whether you lost a child, whether you just lost uh, your wallet or, or, or you lost your keys, that feeling, if you can think about it, if you can remember it, that feeling is actually really close to something that God feels. It's really close to the heart of God, that feeling of, 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 of losing something. And in fact, Jesus thought that that feeling and, and, and what it says about God was so important that he told uh, a story. Actually, he told more than one story about it. There was this one particular day where he, he didn't tell one story. He didn't tell two stories about it. He told three stories in a row about this feeling of losing something and what it means about who God is and also what it means about who you and I are called to be. He understood this. And this is just like, let's just own this as, as maybe this, this might be true of you. It's true of, of me. 
Even most, he knew this, even the most religious people misunderstood who God was. Even the most religious of people misunderstood what God was like. And he told three stories in a row because something happened that got him so fired up that he was like, I have got to talk about this with you guys right now. So I wanna tell you a story uh, today. I wanna walk you through this. It's from the book of Luke, chapter 15. It's one of the gospels. And uh, the first verse shows us this. It says that now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Now, um, we talk about tax collectors in here every, every so often because they're, they're uh, just so interesting and they're, uh, they were such outcasts in that society, so much so that there were two categories. There were sinners and then there were tax collectors. All right, like, and so even, even the sinners would look down at the tax collectors. And so you had the tax collectors and the sinners all gathering around to hear Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Just to to pause there for a minute. Isn't that amazing? This is who uh, Jesus spent time with. This is who wanted to spend time with Jesus. The people who were down and out, the people who were the outcasts, the people who had made big mistakes with a capital B and a capital M, like they had made big mistakes with their life. This is who Jesus wanted to spend time with and all of them were drawn to Jesus. What does that say about Jesus to you? First of all, think about you on your worst day. Like think about the worst day that you've had. Who would be the kind of person that you'd be drawn toward? Who would you want to avoid on that day, on like your worst day? Well, Jesus was spending time with them and then it goes on to say this, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the religious people, in other words, people who, who were, were pointing their hearts toward God, were trying to do what God said, were trying to read the law, read the Bible, and, and trying to understand it, they, they muttered, you know? You know, muttering? I mean, just mutter, right? So that's to one another, da 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 Like under, kind of, kind, of, kind of quiet. They muttered, this man, he welcomes sinners, and he eats with them. Now that fired Jesus up. Like like that statement fired Jesus up because he desperately wanted them to see God for who he really was. And he desperately wanted them to see the people that were with Jesus, the sinners and the tax collectors, for who they really were. He desperately wanted them to see them and he wasn't gonna let this moment go. And so he does what Jesus does. He begins to tell a story. He says, hey, I need you to listen to me right now because I, I, I wanna tell you this story. And so he, he starts with, with this one. This is the first story he says. He says, um, all right, all of you, suppose one of you has 100 sheep and he loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he, until he finds it? And, and when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home and, and then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and he says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Now he tells this story and, and, and the audience was full of um, farmers. And, and people who worked with their hands, people who were in trades and full of shepherds and, and people who were, who were hard workers who were just kind of pulling their lives together. And he tells this story that of course immediately they would connect with, immediately they would resonate with. Because, oh yeah, it's about sheep. 
And, and what do you do if a sheep, when, when your sheep gets lost? Well, it's a valuable thing. That's a valuable commodity. That's a, that's a valuable animal. So you go and you do whatever it takes and you have this all out search. And they would have said, of course, of course. Jesus tells, so he tells the story. He says the, the sheep got lost and the owner has this all out search. And when he finds it, what does he do? He celebrates. And the people say, of, uh, of course he did. That's what we do. That's what we do when, when something is lost that's valuable. We, 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 we go after it no matter what and we, and we celebrate. Of course, that's what we do. And then Jesus says this, like, and, he, and he makes this turn. And every time he tells a story, it's incredible how he just has this moment where there's a turn, where there's this, this, this moment of, of aha. And he, and he, and he kind of like, he, he just kind of brings the punch right down. And he says, um, that's what happens. Like when you go and you bring the sheep home and then you celebrate together, that's what happens when a sinner comes home. That's what happens. And it's like, in that moment, people were like, oh. All of his listeners were like, oh. That's what you're, that's what you're saying, Jesus. And so, um, he could have stopped there. But, but he wasn't quite sure that they got it, okay? Wasn't quite sure they got it, so he's like, I gotta, I gotta tell you another, I'll tell you another story. He says this. Um, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? Isn't that what, isn't that what she does? And, and, and when she finds it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together and she says, rejoice with me, I've found my lost coin. And then he says this, in the same way. And they're like, oh, right. I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, that story's a little, a little weird for us, right? Because t- 10 coins and you lose one. I mean, I, we, we don't really function like that. So let me tell you two like this. Suppose one of you has seven credit cards <laughs> and you lose one. What do you do? Do you pick out one of the unlost ones that you have, and do you, do you hold it up and say, I know I lost the visa, but, but thank you, MasterCard, for not being lost. Do, is that what you do? No. What do you do when you lose a credit card? You go on an all-out search. There's an urgency, isn't there? There's like, oh my gosh, what if somebody took my car? What if they're spending it, you know, they're using it right now. What if somebody's going to do something awful with it? And you say, you have this urgency over the law. You don't have an urgency over the six that are in your wallet, do you? They're found. Those are the found ones. You don't take out the found ones and just be glad you had the found one. No, you look for the one that's lost. You go on an all-out search. You look all through the sofa cushions and you look in the car and you stick your hand underneath and you, you risk like, like sticking your hand underneath the sofa where you might find half of a Pop-Tart that was there from 2009, you know? But you're okay touching that because you're gonna need to find your card or else it's gonna be a real hassle. Or like, what about this? I mean, come on, Americans. Like, uh, what if you lose your phone? Think about how you feel, right? It's kind of sad. We don't want to admit it, but it's like, I, I feel like I'm not a whole person if I don't have this phone right attached, attached to my hip. 
And if you lose your phone, what do you do? Do you just, just say, oh, well, that's too bad. I lost my phone. No, you turn the, host, the house upside, upside down. You look everywhere. You, you, you tear the sofa apart. You turn the house uh, you know, apart. You, you try to locate it on your other phone or however you do that, right? And you, you, you go and you go and you go until you find it. You even check the freezer, right? Because some of y'all do weird things, right? I mean, you put things in weird places. And, and so you look everywhere, you have this urgency. It's not like, oh, no big deal. There's an urgency. And when you find it, you're excited. And what Jesus is saying is, in the same way, right? Like in the, in the same way that we rejoice when we find the lost Capital One Venture X Visa, right? Like in the same way that we rejoice when we find the lost iPhone, that's a little taste of what it's like in heaven when one sinner comes back home to God. When one person returns and comes back home to God. But he, but he, but he still wasn't sure if they got it. And they had to get it. They had to get this. It's the only place in the scriptures where Jesus tells three stories in a row about the same thing. It's the only place. This is how important what he is saying is, not only to his listeners that day, but to us, to the church, to all of us, wherever you are in relation to the church, wherever you are in relation to God, whether you feel like you're standing on the outside looking in, and you're here today because maybe today's like, I'm giving God one more shot. Or maybe today you're here because somebody invited you and you finally said yes to get them off of your back. Don't, don't look at them or point at them or anything like that, but that's why you're here, okay? This is for you too. This is for all of us. So he, he, he still wasn't sure, and he, and he says, um, okay, I'm, I'm gonna tell one more story, and it's, and it's not gonna be about an, an animal, and it's not gonna be about possession. It's gonna be about something that all of us can relate to, all of us can connect with. He tells a story about a lost child. He says that um, there was a man who had two sons, the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so he divided his property between them. Now, the audience in that moment would have said, what? We don't really see it as maybe that big of a deal. The audience in his day would have said, hold on a second. The younger one said this? The inheritance, first of all, is supposed to go to the older one first. But, but more importantly than that, the inheritance only really happens after the father dies. That's how it works. And so this younger son is coming to the father and he's saying, I want my share now. You know what he was in effect telling the father? I wish you were dead. I don't care about you. Just give me my share and let me be on my way. And, and, and this would have, would have, would have uh, made everybody listening so upset because they're like, that guy doesn't deserve anything. The younger one, what, what is he doing? He, he, uh, he needs judgment. He, he doesn't deserve anything. And then they would have been even more amazed and probably more frustrated and upset when they saw and heard Jesus say he divided his property between them. In other words, he gave it to him. 
Like this guy doesn't deserve anything and the father in your story, Jesus gives it to, to them, him. And that must have enraged them, but Jesus continues the story. In verse 13, here's what, here's what he does. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, he set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Now, wild living, you can kinda like fill in that blank, all right, with the image or the words of your choosing. I, I think maybe, um, maybe he found like a Bucky's, you know? Because <laughs> that place, every time, I've been in there one time, it was wild, all right? Maybe he's going crazy in a Bucky's. I don't know what he's doing. Wild living. We're getting a Bucky's, you know. <laughs> in Mebane, North Carolina. Um, so he goes and he squanders his wealth in wild living. So, so here's what we know he didn't do, he didn't plan, he didn't invest, you know, he didn't get a job, he didn't take what he had to, to start his own living, you know, and, and he wasn't responsible at all. He just went wild with it until it was all gone, until it was all gone. And, uh, and then this famine comes. This, this is famine comes along, and he didn't expect that. But, but suddenly there's, there, the food is scarce and jobs are scarce and, and, and he has to finally come to his senses and get a job and so he goes and gets a job and, and the only job he can find is feeding this guy's pigs, this pig farmer. And so he goes out and he feeds this guy's pigs and he's looking at the food, he's so hungry. You ever been really hungry, like, like this hungry? Like he's so hungry that he looks at the food the pigs are eating and he says, I wish I could eat some of that. Like I wish I could eat some of, some of that. And he, and he finally has this, moment of, of, of like, I've hit the bottom. And his listeners at that point, the listeners in Jesus' story, the listeners all around hearing Jesus' story were like, good. He's getting what he deserves. He's getting what he deserves. Don't we feel that way too, right? Like, when you see somebody making bad choices and doing awful things, and, I mean, we get kind of like, we forget who we are, and we get kind of like, oh my goodness, they're getting what they deserve. Isn't it great? Then we kind of forget that we've been in that same place. And so uh, he, he, he finally, well, it says he comes to his senses. Verse 17, he came to his senses and he said, um, he asked himself, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And, and here I am starving to, to, to death. I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna set out. I'm gonna go back to my father and I'm gonna say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you and, and, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And, 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 and so he got up. And he went to his, his father and the people again, the hearers of the story were like, good, this is where this immature uh, little punk is finally gonna get what he deserves. He's gonna get his payback. He's gonna have the great, good story, Jesus. He's gonna have to go back and work as his father's servant. I like this story, Jesus. I like where this is going. They're, they're kind of reading ahead. And each story, um, like I said, Jesus has this twist, right? He has this, this, this twist in the, in the story. And I think at that moment, maybe even Jesus paused and he let that picture sink in, the, the picture of this, this young uh, guy kind of ambling his way back 
down the road, step by step by step, slowly as he rehearses the words he's gonna say to his father in this story that he's gonna tell him about what he's been doing, and he's gonna ask him, I'm not coming back as your son, I just wanna, would you just have me back as your servant? Would you have that kind of mercy on me, father? Would you do that and just let me live there? Because they're gonna, those guys are living way better than, than I am, and he's figuring out what to say. And, and, and then Jesus pauses and then he, then he says, but while he was still a long way off, can you get the image now of the father in your mind, like the father in this story who's missing his child and, and so conflicted because he's, he, he, maybe he's upset about how he left and maybe he's upset with himself about what he, you know, how he maybe enabled him to leave or whatever and then and, and yet he's pacing around the house and he can't concentrate and he's trying to go from task to, to task and room to room, but he keeps going by the window that shows the road outside where he had seen his son walk away and he'd seen his, his back to, to him for the last time and his son maybe didn't even turn around and wave goodbye and that's the last time he saw his son and yet every single day he's distracted into what he's doing because he's thinking about his son, he's missing his son, he's wondering and hoping that there will come a day when he comes home and, and he keeps looking down the road and it says um, but while he was still a long way off and what that means is that the father was standing at the door looking the father was longing for his son to come home and longing and waiting for this day to come where he would see his son trudging up the road back to his house. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with. Can I just pause the story here and, and, and say this to you and to, and to me? That God's primary emotion toward you, his primary feeling toward you, is not anger. It's not frustration. It's not annoyance. It's not shame. It's not guilt. It's not any of those things. His primary emotion to you is compassion. His primary emotion toward your heart is one of compassion. While he was still a long way off, he saw him and he felt none of the things that he had felt maybe when he walked away. He just felt compassion. He just felt compassion. God's primary emotion toward you is that. And so he, he, he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And then the son said to him, Father, he went into his story. Here's his speech, speech time, right? Father, um, I, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be, to be um, called your son. And it's almost like the father didn't even, he was like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on and put a ring on his finger, put sandals on his feet. And then it says that, that like, bring it, he continues, like, bring the fattened calf, kill it, let's have a feast, let's have a feast and, and, and celebrate. Why? 
for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. And so they began to celebrate. The lost son comes home and when the lost son comes home, there's no anger, there's no shame. There's just forgiveness. Why? Why? Because this son of mine was dead and he's alive again. You, you, you lose your keys, right? Or you lose your, you lose your phone. You just, you just get annoyed. You lose your son or you lose your daughter. You just want them back. You just want them back. And, and, and just like in here, in his day, there were some of his listeners who identified so much with the son, the lost son, the one who'd wandered away. They, they, they identified him, they resonate with, resonated with him, and they were like, really? That's what God the Father's like? That's what the Father's like? He'll accept me back? I know I've wandered away. I know I've done those things. I'm scared to try to come home. I don't think I deserve it. There were some that identified with the lost son, and and then there were others listening who had just made him angry. Like the, the, the story just made him, made him actually angry because they wanted justice to be done. This isn't fair, Jesus. What about the older brother, right? Like, like, like he stayed and, and maybe some of the Pharisees, some of the teachers of the law were, were, were asking that question maybe to themselves. They were muttering to one another or maybe they said it out loud. But what, what, what about the older brother? He stayed, he, he worked hard, he was loyal. Doesn't that get him anything? And, and, and for some of us, maybe you've felt like that at times. Like maybe you've been somebody who's been in church your whole life. You know, you, you, you were in church your whole You never really walked away from God. And that's an amazing thing. It truly is. And maybe there are moments in that where there's some pride and there's some judgment that you feel. And Jesus is kind of shooting a, an arrow right in the, in the bullseye of that because here's the rest of the story. Jesus recognizes that that's how people are feeling. That's how some of the folks in his audience are. In fact, the Pharisees, that's, that's how they feel. And, and he says this, um, here's, here's the rest of the story. And I love that Jesus puts this in. I love that he adds this to his story. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, Jesus said. When he came near the house, he heard the music and the dancing. He heard the party. And so he called one of the servants and he asked him, hey, what's going on? And uh, your, your brother has come back, the servant said. And your, your, your father, he's, he's killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and, and sound. And what did the older brother do? You get excited about his brother coming back? No, he was angry. He's been angry at his brother. He, he, he became angry. He refused to go in to the party. He refused to go in. And, and, and in this, I think Jesus is drawing this incredibly nuanced, beautiful picture of, of the Pharisees and of those who are really religious but struggle with a relationship with God, who are trying to cross all the T's and dot all the I's but haven't understood grace. And, and, and so he, he goes out. The older brother refuses to go in. His father went out and pleaded with him. And verse 29 says, he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. And yet 
You didn't ever give me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. I could even have a little party with my, with my friends. But when this son of yours, not my brother, but this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me and everything that I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. It's this beautiful picture to the Pharisees of, of Jesus' invitation. Hey, come and let's celebrate together. Let's do this together. Put down your pride. Put down your, 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 your judgment. Like, like this is your brother. Don't you see that this is your brother? And you know what he's saying to those listeners is, hey, Pharisees, hey, teachers, teachers of the law, these tax collectors and sinners, these are your brothers. These are your sisters. This is how God feels about you and about them. Put down your pride. Put down your judgment. But in order to do that, in order to do that, you have to change how you see your brother and your sister. And in order for us to be a reflection of the church that Jesus calls us to be, and a reflection of, of, of the kind of follower that he wants us to be, and his invitation is in here. His invitation to us, is like one, one of the things is this, we have to understand the urgency of the situation. We have to understand the urgency of the situation. That there are um, people, there are valuable people to, to, to God, every one of you. There, there are people around, there are people around us who have stepped away, who have walked away, who have turned their back on him and said, I'm going my own way. That might be you today. And you need to know that you haven't lost your value to God. Your value has not disappeared because you walked in a different direction. And the value of those around us who we love deeply and our families and our friends and people we work with and people you go to school with, their value is just as high as yours if you've stepped into a relationship with Jesus. Their value is just as high. In fact, he's on an all-out search. And you're either being searched for, okay, and invited back, or once you jump back in and come home, your invitation now is to be on the search team and walk with him, and go on that road with him to find that lost sheep, and turn the sofa upside down to find that lost person, and, and, and like hope and pray and, and long for them to come home to their father. But first, we gotta understand that there's an urgency to this situation. That was not only for Jesus here, that's for us. That's for Love Lake Norman. That's for our community. That there's an urgency to the situation. And the second thing to understand is this, everyone's being invited back home. Everyone is being invited back home. You notice Jesus didn't say, um, the son has to get his life together. The son has to fix everything wrong in his life. He didn't go through any of that. You know why? Because that's not the first step. That's not the first thing. That's not who he's primarily concerned with. He's inviting you back into a relationship. He's inviting you back in. Everyone's being invited back home. You are, I am, 
Everybody. And then the, the, this third element is so crucial for us, for, for, for like where we're going as a church and, and what Jesus was calling, the, the, he was building this early church and building his following into his followers. Inviting someone to come home to Jesus can be the most powerful thing you do. Inviting somebody to come home with Jesus, it really is the most powerful, powerful thing that you can do. Um, and, it, and it's so important that um, it's, it's what we build sort of our, our kind of plan around here as a church. We, uh, if you were here last week, I, I told you that we have a strategy, like sort of a four-step strategy for how do we accomplish our, our, our um, mission to help people find and follow Jesus. And, and, and the first step is to invest. You know, we want to invest in people around us. We, we just want to, want to slow down enough to invest in, in people and, and love people well because they're what matters. Um, and then this whole idea in this story is that lost people matter to God and they ought to matter to us, right? And so our second step in this, this strategy is to invite. It's to simply um, invite. Like we want to invest in people and then we want to extend a, a strategic invitation to, to step in with us into the life of this place. So it's not always or even most of the time even, hey, I want to invite you to follow Jesus with me. It's just like, hey, just come to church with me. Because we're trying to create an atmosphere here where it feels like a next step. It feels like you could invite somebody who maybe has, has, has no connection with the church and is, has, is really holding God at arm's length and, and, and they would feel comfortable and welcome and also challenged. That's, that's what we want to see on Sunday mornings at Love Lake Norman. And so it's a partnership with you, right? It's a partnership with me. I, we, we, we've got to do this together. Those are the first two steps, invest and invite, because listen, we want to fill this place up, all right? Not because we have some ego trip. Like we're, we're, that's not what this is about. We want to see people come to know Jesus like these empty chairs. We want to see people in them, and then we want to do this again at another time because we want to see more people. We just want to see people come home. And so we want to build something that's less of an audience and more of an army. You know what I mean? Like we're doing this together. Like this is not just you coming to watch something and we're up here doing something. Uh-uh. This is the church together. And we want to see the Holy Spirit move and work and do what he does in this place in the hearts and lives of people. And this is just an expression of it in one hour during a week, but it's going on kind of invisible throughout the week as we step into people's lives and we step into our world and we ask God, hey, will you move and work and do, do a work in me? Will you change me? And then will somehow you help me? Will you use me to, to like help someone else follow you? There's really nothing more important than that. And so like, let's light a fire. We got a flame, but it needs to be kind of become a fire here uh, of urgency, uh, of, of joyful urgency as we invite people into the kingdom. And, and so, um, I could, uh, you know, the challenge is like invite a friend, right? Like invite a, invite a friend. And, and in order to share a little bit more about that with you and what that looks like, I actually want to show you a story. Like I want to share a story with you. And it's the, the story of Sam and Damien and, and Kelly and Justin and Pat. And I just want you to see how easy it can be to allow God to use you to change a life. 
I met Sam uh, at Huntersville Elementary School. We were working um, together, actually serving in the PTA. When I went to the school, I met this beautiful Southern girl. She had a beautiful accent, but she was so nice. So Sam and I are walking out of the school together, walking towards our cars, and we're just talking about our children and uh, the school um, that they're in. She was just wanting to know more about the school. I did mention to her that we just moved and we were looking for a church home. And so I told her about Love Lake Norman. In a beautiful Southern accent, Kelly mentioned to me that she goes to a church called Love Lake Norman and that she's also very involved in the church and she invited me to try it out one of these Sundays. That week I um, didn't really anticipate her showing up because she did tell me that they were just seeking other churches and just trying everything out and um, so this Sunday morning after the invite, I received a text message from Sam saying, hey, we're gonna come and uh, check out Love Lake Norman. So I immediately texted my mom. There was a problem. Kelly told me that she wasn't going to be able to be there that day. Would I meet her new friend at the door? So in our typical Jamaican fashion, we show up to church 30 plus minutes late. Well, they didn't show up on time. But to our delight, um, this amazing woman was out front just waiting for us to get there, and that was packed. Uh, so I did wait at the door because I was very excited about meeting these new friends. I walked them down to love uh, kids, uh, got their kids enrolled, and we made it back in time for the message. Pat walked us and our kids to, to love kids helped us get registered and the kids signed in, and then we walked in. When we walked in, Gerald was almost done with his message. When they left that day, I had a little bit of time at the end to meet them and get to know them better. Since our first visit, we loved it so much, we decided that we didn't need to go search for something. This is all we wanted. And now two years into it, our son was baptized, we are now very involved, and we are enjoying Love Lake Norman. After Sam and Damien and their kids attended our church, and they loved it, and um, just made me so full of joy, and it made me realize that just a simple conversation and a small invite um, is such a powerful thing. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we wanna encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.